Hey friends, welcome to the future belongs to creators podcast. Uh, I am Haley and joined by my regular co-hosts, Charlie and Miguel today. How's it going friends? Going good. I'm curious to know, do any of you sit there while our little intro song plays and just sort of like bop along to it? Cause that's what I do. Do you not, <laughs> did you not see me doing it? I mean, I get like really into it a little bit. So yeah, Miguel was cleaning out. I saw Miguel, he was cleaning, like he didn't want, something was in his background. He didn't want you guys to see. <laughs> that's so funny. I did not notice that. <laughs> I also was dancing a little bit just to see if you guys would notice, but I guess not. No. Oh. I'm sorry. We'll pay attention next time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed. <laughs> well, friends, I'm excited for the conversation today. I was particularly excited about it because Charlie uses Twitch. Um, Wait, we need a frame. What are we talking about today? Tell the people. I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm working sorry. on it. Okay. <laughs> Chill, man. I like- man, backseat <laughs> hosting over here. Jeez. <laughs> when I saw this article pop up, because it reminded me of Charlie and I knew that she would have some thoughts on it. She does. Yes. And we love, (laughs) we love Wired and uh, I love, we love obviously talking about the creator economy and this just had all the things. Uh, It was also a brief, a brief article. So it was an easy read and I definitely thought it could, could make for a great conversation. But the title of the article is Twitch turns 10 and the creator economy is in its debt. And that's a pretty bold statement, but basically, and they go on to say the live streaming platform for gamers helped pioneer the patronage system that prop up so much of the internet today. So essentially the too long didn't read uh, kind of version of this article is Wired making a proclamation that Twitch, which preceded uh, Patreon and OnlyFans Mm -hmm. by both two and five years respectively, that Twitch is, is the one that, you know, we all should be saying thank you to because they have been a huge influence on the creator economy and how so many creators today monetize their business. Let's chat. Let's chat. I would say the first thing that stuck out to me as I re- like read the article, when I got to the end, I was like, I feel like Twitch pitched this angle to Wired. Like knowing what we know, Haley, about PR, Haley and I have been really <laughs> digging into this recently. And I'm like, I can see how this worked. I can see Twitch framed the story and they pitched it to Wired. I feel like that's how this article went down. It was still yeah. a good article though, but that was like overall <laughs> thought I had at the end of it. A hundred percent. I'm not going to lie. I, I, uh, I'm I glad you shared that same sentiment. I, I agree. It was a good article. What did you think, Miguel? Well, uh, one thing that they offered up as an example of this was talking about this guy who played StarCraft II, like way back in the day. And he was, while he was playing and people were watching him, because at this point it wasn't yet what we, the Twitch we know now. So it was like, Mm. you pay and then you get content and not you get content and then you can decide to pay, which is kind of the inverse of that, obviously. So Mm. he's playing StarCraft II and he was talking about like, oh man, you know, my, I have these like student loans that are crushing me and his fans just started flooding his PayPal account with like little bits of money, which ended up saving him a lot of money on his student loans. I don't know if he paid him off or not, but it was just kind of like this. He just made a comment in passing while he was playing a video game. And then his fans just like stepped up for him. So that's like a really cool example of like before it's time, your mm. fans kind of supporting somebody who's mm. who they whose content they enjoy. So I thought that was pretty cool. To that point, I thought it was really interesting how um, it was really the fans that actually created like the business model, 
right? It was the fan saying like, how can I, and even after that point, it was, how can I help? And I can't remember it exactly, but I want to say, um, who was it? He the first Twitch partner, um, who had a subscription button who would, that appeared on his channel. And it kind of changed that whole, um, pay first consume second, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, the traditional media model. But yeah, it was really the fans that cultivated that, right? It was really the people that were watching it. Yeah. Fans deciding that they wanted to support a creator that they were watching and enjoying for sure. I thought it was interesting how they sort of like early in the article, they distilled the creator economy to say that it's subscribing to people doing things. Um, And I wrote in my notes, oversimplifying a bit, but okay. Like, yeah, (laughs) I I think that makes sense. Like the creator economy is fans either paying creators directly or by consuming the content, you know, because then sponsors will want to to get involved and things like that. So yeah, I I guess it does make sense. Charlie, for those people who don't know Twitch um, all that well, you want to give a rundown of it? I mean, obviously Mm. you can, you can give a a quick Google search is going to tell you that Twitch (laughs) is the world, the world's leading live streaming platform for gamers and the things we love watch and chat with millions of other fans from around the world. Like quick Google search is going to tell, tell you that, but tell um, our listeners from your perspective as someone who uses Twitch, what it is. Yeah. I think that as a, like a creator on Twitch and as someone who is like consume content on Twitch as well, it's a platform that is definitely made for live streaming first and foremost. And you can tell when you use it. That's why I choose to live stream there versus YouTube is it just feels like it's a platform for live video. So they've really leaned into that. And uh, coming from YouTube, Twitch was like, there's a lot of like the lingo that you got to learn to really feel like you're a part of it. And I'm still learning, but- um, How long have you been doing it? I've been doing it since last, like September, October, maybe okay. sometime last okay. year. Yeah, something like that. But on YouTube, you say subscribe to my channel and that's essentially following the channel, right? Mm-hmm. On Twitch, if you subscribe to a channel, that's you paying for a month like to support the creator. Twitch subscriptions are not recurring, I don't believe. Like you choose to re-up them or you can purchase like six months at a time or whatever. So unlike Patreon, where it's sort of like you're going to support and pay monthly or per content until you decide not to support anymore. It's like, yeah, you pick one month or a block of months to support on Twitch. And following is just like following the channel and subscribing means paying money. So there's like that lingo difference. Mm. And uh, I became a Twitch affiliate uh, maybe at the start of this year. So I can now have people subscribe to my channel. You have to reach like a certain number of hours streamed before Mm -hmm. you can like have that uh, ability. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say is it's quite funny how I think we talked about this in a previous episode about the the cut that creators get from the the platforms, right? Mm. So you only get 50% of a cut of your subscription revenue on Twitch. And um, a lot of articles about it, I, I was looking around say like, oh, that you get a generous 50% of the $4.99 per month cost. That's right. What was that article? What was that article that said the a generous 50%? You're like, generous? <laughs> was it at the Economist one that we did? I'm pretty sure about um, platforms and content. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm I'm seeing this come up again, and I'm like, well, like I don't know if a fan wants to give me four ninety nine there and they subscribe through Twitch, they're really only giving me like two fifty or whatever yeah. because Twitch takes half of it. So there's that as well. What are the different types of content that you stream on on Twitch, and what do you see as being mm-hmm. the most beneficial to you as as a content creator? So I, every now and then we'll stream games, which is like you said, Haley, the core 
like mm-hmm. reason for Twitch is mostly people playing games, but mm. um, there's also people on there doing other things. And so what I do on Twitch is stream my design work or my like Webflow site building work. And mm-hmm. that's been really fun. And I found this community of other people who do that as well. And we'll have like, yeah, like regular people in my stream chat as I work on things. So that's been really fun to share my process. And I think that as a creator, it's just given people in my audience more of an inside look into that process because it's like, this is not a curated, edited video that I'm talking you through my process. You're literally seeing it happen, including all the mistakes. Yeah. I, I rewatched your when you were doing the Creator Session Webflow website. I, I watched that because I was really interested in just watching you. It felt like I was, you know, as Caleb on our team, I said, one day I just want to like work with you during the day and just like, you know, get on Zoom and see what you do. And I really enjoyed it because it felt like, you know, I felt like I could saw your process. I understood where your mind was at, you know, and you were talking us through it and it wasn't like fast speed. It was just like at the actual pace, but it was a good learning. I could definitely see the value in it being on the other end, being a a new designer, watching what you were doing and, and seeing the benefit for sure. Exactly. So yeah, Twitch is fairly new for me, but obviously very established in the gaming community in general. Um, And maybe another like overall opinion or like thought I had on this article is like, huh, I didn't realize like how early Twitch was to this model of Mm. fans supporting subscribers, supporting creators, sorry. Um, Because, you know, fair enough. Like they were doing this earlier than a lot of other companies. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if its focus on gaming has like limited the impact it's actually had on the creator economy mm-hmm. because it that's like a very specific one section, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, like to take that and compare it to ConvertKit, for example, uh, we narrowed our scope and we were very much towards bloggers, right? When mm-hmm. we first started. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of broadened that to creators, I think focusing on something narrow kind of gives you an avenue to kind of throw all your chips into one into one bucket, as it were. It, it helps you sort of like really get good at this one thing instead of casting too wide of a net. Mm. So I feel like that can serve you for some time. But at some point, you kind of cap your growth in that area. And then you start looking at other places where you can possibly grow to. That lends itself to what you're already doing, which is probably pretty Pretty, I mean, it's pretty common in businesses in general, but, you know, I mean, Facebook was just for college people. Yeah, good point. And then it just now it's everything. It's ubiquitous. So I wonder if Twitch will eventually kind of try and rebrand itself away from the gaming thing and really start leaning into these other things once they sort of like own the gaming sphere, which they kind of already do. Yeah. I have a question. I don't know if this is going to, I don't know. I'm curious. Do you consider gamers to be part of the creator economy? Do you consider a gamer to be a creator? Absolutely. I think a gamer who just plays games for themselves, no. But a gamer who streams, absolutely. Okay. Because they're making content for an audience to enjoy, right? They're streaming their gameplay and people can tune into it and watch it. Like it's not all that different from making a video and uploading it to YouTube. It's just that you're watching it at the time the video is being made if that makes sense. (laughs) So if the end goal is to have an audience, if I'm just drawing in my room and I'm not going to put it up for anyone Mm. to see, am I still an artist? Am I still a creator? I don't know. It's like, it's kind of weird there. Yeah. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, the definition that Nathan wrote for a creator as we define it at ConvertKit, Uh but the making things for an audience is part of it. Okay. For us anyway. 
Oh, where's Nathan when we need him? Now I need. I, know. I wish Nathan were watching so he could drop that in the chat for us to reference. Yeah. Yep. This is a test, and, Nathan. Yeah. I, without, I, I don't know what my opinion is, but I, not that my opinion is fact. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't know my opinion. It's, it's my opinion. But I feel like the content that's being created, it's there's no forethought into it, right? So you just get, or, or maybe there is, I don't know. I'm not a gamer. But is there forethought into creating this thing that people are consuming versus getting on and playing something that's already created in theory, like the game has been created and then you're playing the game and people are consuming the content that's happening. But what people are watching for isn't necessarily like to see the game being played. It's to see your reactions to the game being played. So it's like the commentary that you give along the way and the choices that you make, that sort of thing. Hey, I'm just learning what sus means, okay? You know, yeah. I'm just worried. <laughs> you still haven't figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Noah made a good point in the chat here saying that um, Twitch isn't just gaming, like the just chatting mm. category is the most popular one, which is kind of like streams of what we're doing now. It's just people talking to the camera. But I would argue that the majority of creators on Twitch still have a game focus. Mm. to them and like a lot of gamers will do a just chatting stream to talk to their fans just like an instagram i might do an instagram live to like answer questions or whatever yeah i think melanie called it out here she probably has a similar opinion that i have she says i see gamers as consumers not creators this is so interesting to think they are also creators creating the experience for an audience <laughs> and basically what this this says is i think everybody has different opinions on it yep yep for me, I staunchly believe they are creators because of like the impact that several gamers had on me throughout the pandemic in like lifting my spirits and giving me mm. something to focus on, you know? Tell 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 me more about that. How did they do that? How did they lift Ooh. your lift your spirits? Just by being funny, I guess. Like I just enjoyed watching their reactions to games. Um mm. and it's like a another layer. I don't play a lot of like horror games, for example, myself, where it's like a story and it's like a scary story. You're like basically playing through a horror movie, mm -hmm. but I really like watching other people play them and especially like their reactions and like, I don't know, it's just, it's interesting, which yeah, I don't know. It's you either like it or you don't, I think that type of content. <laughs> no, I can agree with that. There are certain games that have really, really like, games are so sophisticated now that they can have giant production teams mm -hmm. and production value and writers. And a lot of the times their stories are really captivating, sometimes even more so than some movies. So there's lots of games out there that I super enjoy watching other people play that maybe that type of game isn't what I'm into, but I'm into the story. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can just sit back and just eat a snack or whatever and watch somebody else play through it because I, I don't want to actually like interact with it, but I do want to know what happens next, you know? Yep. And I think another reason why I'd for sure count them, especially like Twitch streamers playing games as part of the creator community. In this article, they talked about the the parasocial relationship mm. of a stream where it's like, okay, you're there chatting live and the streamer is responding to you. Streamers have huge, very, very passionate audiences because of mm -hmm. the live component of the content that they create, more mm -hmm. so than perhaps an influencer on Instagram who is posting like very curated photos of their space or their outfit or whatever. I think people really like the reality of seeing someone mm. live and their like live reactions. Mm. 
Something that I liked in this article that made me feel good is this one line said, um, in the spring of 2021, if a streamer attracted more than six viewers, they were in the top 6.7% of Twitch streamers. Yes. And like, I know the point was not to make Charlie feel better about having like 30 people on her stream, <laughs> but, <laughs> but to say like just how much content is being streamed mm-hmm. and like that there's this this disconnect, right? Between the number of people streaming and the number of people watching. It's not mm. like the ratios aren't so good anymore, which is is interesting. Yeah, that was that was a definitely a common theme uh, inside the article was just about how competitive it's gotten over time. Mm-hmm. But also I thought a really interesting call out clip from the article was, it says in 2018, when the Fortnite boom really catapulted Twitch into mainstream, Ninja uh, figured that in the hour he spent talking to the New York Times about burnout, he lost 200 or 300 subscribers. When he went to E3, he said he lost 100,000 subscribers or $500,000. And this is the one that really got me that I was like, I was like, this isn't healthy. Uh, He said even his six day honeymoon, he says, was a calculated risk. Yep. And I was like, oh, gosh, that's really challenging because When you start to think about, you know, this is one of these conversations that we consistently have about diversifying your income streams, right? Mm -hmm. And so for somebody that was using Twitch exclusively, they're taking a risk to go spend time for themselves creating memories away from a computer screen with something that would... could have cost him millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if an hour or two, you know, cost $500,000. I don't know if that's very healthy. Yeah, Agree. <laughs> well, I mean, he's kind of crossing over into, you sort of cross over with celebrity. The product is not necessarily what you're doing anymore, but you're also the product yourself. Mm. So, you know, like if you're an actor, for example, so it's not just the projects that you're doing, the movies that you're in, the shows that you're in, but you kind of have to be on all the time when in public because, you know, some TMZ story comes out where you are nasty to somebody and that could hurt your career, you know? So someone like Ninja, for example, it may have started out as, oh, I, I'm work, uh, I'm, I'm, my work is that I am on, you know, Fortnite or whatever video game that I'm streaming. But every now, every moment that I'm not doing that is moments that I'm not making money, that I'm, it's like an right. opportunity cost. Yep. And that's, that's scary because I try to put myself in the shoes of that. And it's like, uh-uh. Yeah. The difference, though, is, is that when an actor is not in a movie, the fans aren't like removing themselves as subscribers, right? Or fans of an actor. Whereas this, Mm -hmm. he, they clearly say like, you know, he talks about burnout or he's just stops. He's not streaming. Then he's in the act of actually losing subscribers. So people become so attached or, or they expect it from a creator. And so when they're not, creating they're like this guy's not on at midnight not a fan anymore yeah i wonder if that's too because of the sheer amount of content out there you know that's being streamed the fans really have like oh you're not streaming there's like 50 billion other streams i could go be watching instead a slight exaggeration i don't know the real number but (laughs) you know the (laughs) it doesn't sound sustainable yeah Mm. so i don't know if you guys have heard about this guy that broke the Twitch subscription record for 31 days straight. No, tell us about it. So people watched him eat, game, sleep. He just left the camera on for 31 days. Oh, wow. And and broke the record. That's the record, 31 days. So a month straight. What about when he went to the restroom? 
Hopefully he just like walked off camera and did his business. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But otherwise, then he's in a different kind of business uh, altogether. Yeah, yeah. That maybe belongs on OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> but this person has also broken the record for their website's most paying customers or paying subscribers, I should say. How, how many was it? Uh, I don't I don't know. I, I can look it up, though. Oh, and Noah said it was Ludwig who is someone who I've been watching play Among Us. So yeah, just saying. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Didn't know he'd done that though. Exactly. So, but, but that's so, it's so crazy to me that the pressure to keep going must be so high. And to, I mean, mm-hmm. it's all about momentum because every time I think, if you think about the psychology of every moment I'm not doing something, I'm losing money, that's incentivizing you to constantly be doing that thing. And at some point you're just going to, get burnt out. Like there's no way you don't, yeah. unless you're slightly like sociopathic and you just don't feel those feelings, but I don't know how that's possible. I'm curious, Miguel, you had called out this, uh, this point is something that you wanted to talk about. You said some streamers spend years broadcasting to no one, uh, and the proposal, and I can't remember who in the article, um, suggested this, but that's really the problem that creating content on the internet needs to solve. Is that even a problem that can be solved? Um, I wouldn't say no. I mean, just just because I can't come up with the solution on the spot right here doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? It's just yeah. it's a it's a tough cookie to crack or it's yeah. tough nut to crack. Uh, yep. That's the we're just mixing metaphors here. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, I just think that whoever figures that out is really going to send things into the next level, because I feel like for a lot of the people who are creators in general, if you're doing a YouTube channel and you don't get any views or the only views are like your mom and, you know, your partner and a handful of people, you get like five or six views per thing. That's very demoralizing. But we always talk about like kind of pushing through that and just doing it for you and working on your craft and getting better at what you do. Yeah. And so many people are doing this also on Twitch, obviously, because if you just spend years and you're broadcasting to literally nobody, that, I mean, talk about burnout, right? So at least it's one thing if it's for people, it's one thing, it's another thing entirely if it's for nothing. So yeah. I just think that's really interesting if companies can figure out a way to like kind of harness that effort into, into some sort of marketing strategy to kind of get you on people's radar. In a way, I think we've solved it. I thought about this like as you were talking about it, you know, but one of the things that we talk about all the time with email is owning your audience, right? And so when they're talking about this, some, some streamers spend years broadcasting to no one like that obviously requires certain input or let's say an algorithm change changes and all of a sudden everything for your business changes when you're relying on subscribers or an Instagram algorithm or, you know, other things like that. Whereas with email, it's like you control the relationship between you and your audience and you're not necessarily relying on other algorithms to, to get people's attention that if you can create an audience that doesn't rely on any third party, right? Like, isn't that one solution to the problem? But you still got to create that audience in the first place, right? You still got to attract the attention somehow to get them onto your email list to start with. This is true, but you're converting your, I mean, okay, fine, fair. Fair. But, you know, now we're getting into some nuances, okay? You mean you didn't solve the problem right now? No, I'm saying it's important to, you know, it's important not to rely on third-party tools 
to have a relationship with your audience. And that I feel like is a problem, right? It's like, that's why we talk about with, with Instagram, for example, having links in bio, having ways that you can collect your audience, you know, or landing pages, you know, there where you can collect your fans or people that are consuming your content on one platform and migrating them to something that you own. And by doing that, then you stop relying or your reliance on a third party app, whether it be Instagram or Twitch or YouTube or whatever it is, the weight of the two becomes different. Yeah. What I liked about in the part of the article talking about this um, imbalance really between the number of people wanting to watch and the number of, of streams happening, they also talked about how the supply and demand is inherently aspirational Mm. because like you are streaming to no one because one day you want to be the person streaming to like a million people or Mm. you know whatever and then they also said that like thousand yes thousands of would-be pop stars mailed demo tapes in a time before streaming but the record labels didn't get to sell ads against those demo tapes Mm -hmm. so the point is that like yes people were always creating for the hopes of being given a chance to like reach a wider audience in the past yeah but now the people who are creating, even if they've only got like the six subscri- uh, viewers watching their stream, if Twitch or YouTube or whatever wants to put an ad on that, they're making money off this person's efforts and content, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, there's maybe a balance there. It begs the question on whether or not it was easier to become a somebody 20 years ago, or if it's easier to become a somebody now, right? With mm. the sheer just amount of content that's available online, you could be one of, if you just talk, like use music as an example, right? The way it was like, think of all the record labels that were having hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands of demos that were sent that way. But now having YouTube and just growing an audience, all of a sudden, maybe a demo that was sitting on a record label's desk or in a trash can or in a recycle bin or wherever gets it was. Gets a second look, yeah. It get, exactly, it gets a second look. Well, there's been lots of um, like people on TikTok or YouTube or whatever becoming musicians or like having the chance to pursue that. Yeah, passion that they had or authors as well writing books a lot there was a a stage in London where like all of the London YouTubers were writing books and getting book deals um I I think Mm. it's still going on as well and they got that opportunity not because they proved their writing abilities but because they had an audience right they had an audience and something to say and so a publisher wanted to work with them they didn't even care Mm -hmm. what their writing ability was in fact there was a big drama because one of them hired a ghostwriter for her book Uh, maybe that's a topic for a different time (laughs) but yeah (laughs) Yeah, I do think that, like, talking about the impact Twitch has had on the creator economy, I wonder if Twitch, because it's, you know, being the biggest proponent of live streaming, has had a big impact on the authenticity, like, I don't want to say trend, but expectation maybe is what a fan has of Mm. a creator. Like, you're following them instead of a celebrity because they feel like a real person and you want that authenticity behind them. I think that's why people like streams because they're seeing you in real time unedited. You know, you can't have the forethought because it's just who you are and who you show up as. Mm. Uh, And that's part of the appeal that we see being brought to Instagram and and YouTube as well as people doing things to purposefully seem authentic in places. (laughs) I think we've, we've talked about, we've used her as an example probably too many times to count, but that's like the appeal of Charlie D'Amelio, right? Is that she Mm -hmm. was just an everyday person and people felt so connected to her just because she was normal. She looked like them, acted like them, was a regular teenager. 
but I could really see that um, for sure as uh, may- maybe not that the creator economy is in Twitch's debt. I, I don't know if I would attribute all yes. the success, but for sure, when you talk about that influence, when you start talking about the creator economy being like authenticity, we like we owe Twitch um, the debt of gratitude for what uh, for uh, the authenticity that it brought to the creator economy. Yeah. It's funny because it's uh, the attention that everyone has is kind of like this finite resource that everybody's trying to to grab, right? So Facebook is trying to keep you on its platform so your eyes are there longer, so you see more things, so they sell more ads. Back in the day, it was who's a really, really talented person or at least somebody that is really marketable that we can put their music on the radio and then people will hear it and it'll spread like wildfire and we make money from record sales and ticket sales for shows and merch and all that stuff. And now it's like we're, we've kind of cut out the middleman, the, the person that gets to decide who gets to uh, shoot for that attention. Now, everybody, everybody can shoot for that attention. It's just a matter of how saturated everything is and mm. how to kind of cut through the noise and find what it is you're looking for, whether you know what you want or you don't know what you want yet, but when you see it, it'll kind of go viral and everybody will know about it. And then capitalizing on that vir- virality, vir- vir- I don't know that that's the word, but uh, like what it kind of touches a little bit on what, what Noah brought up here, which is, yes, live streaming happens at a particular time and there's a downside to that because there's a window there. So part of the, the chain of how people find things is through the non-live stuff. So through like YouTube mm. clips and things like that. And those YouTube clips might go viral and then you find out this person on Twitch and then you may not have been a, a person who even had a Twitch account, but you liked that YouTube video, so you made your way to them. So it's like this crazy web of ways to get to everybody now. You know what this is reminding me of? Uh, and I hate bringing it up because he's not here today. I don't know where Teddy's at. Does anybody know where Teddy <laughs> is? But this brings up his first YouTube, the YouTube video that he referenced, right? The whole entire video was was about why he shows up live to a stri- like a live streamed podcast. It was because he posted something in the comments and made Charlie and I laugh at my, on my, at my expense, just as a side note here, uh, and made Charlie and I hysterically laugh and he got a kick out of that. Right. And that's one of the reasons why he shared, you know, he joined, he, that's not the only reason, but the fact that he <laughs> felt like he was part of a community and that he could engage with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, his whole YouTube video was, yeah, where, where's Teddy, man? Uh, <laughs> we miss you, Teddy. Come back <laughs> <Yeah>. to us. <laughs> okay, he one more absence, and then we're genuinely sending someone to go look for him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you were going to say one more absence and he gets expelled or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never. Teach him a girl coming out. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, that's what they talk about in this article, right, is the why live streaming is so popular is because of the real-time reactions to things that you write in the chat or things that you pay to, like, have come up on screen and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, It's that's part of the charm of it. I'm reliving that moment because it was funny to me. Um, I think that was something about British subjects or whatever, but Teddy was Teddy made a funny in the, in the comment section, and then he waited and he watched both – Charlie and I laugh and then Miguel saw and Miguel got distracted and <laughs> just threw us all off. But um, I don't watch live streaming. I, I really very rarely do. But that moment made me be like, I get, I get it. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. So now can we agree that gamers are creators? 
like knowing that Haley, and knowing your experience yeah like what if you'd been playing a game while while teddy made that funny comment you know it's, it's yeah. the same thing i think i need to go uh spend more time on twitch watching gamers game is that how you say mm-hmm. it <laughs> is that how you say it watching gamers game i, I guess <laughs> i think creator maybe isn't we're gonna have to retire that term eventually i'm calling it right now as a profit i think Creator isn't an inclusive enough word for all what all these things are, um, because if if ultimately what you're doing is creating or at least being the focus of entertainment that makes other people gather around and enjoy spending time looking at what you're doing, that could apply for an athlete. You know, yeah. if I'm kicking a ball around in my backyard, I'm not creating anything. But if I'm kicking a ball at the World Cup because I'm a soccer player, then I'm I'm an entertainer. Right. But that football game, soccer game is a creation. It is a content, is it not? That people tune in for and people sell ads against. And so this can get really, really broad. And I think creator is too small of a word or eventually it will be, I don't know. Oh man, now I'm like, I don't know what to think anymore or how to like. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like. I know, I feel like I know inherently who a creator is. But I don't know how to describe it when you say things like that, Miguel. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, yeah. How do I explain the, yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd shake your entire foundation of everything that you do and then say, thanks, have a nice week and see you next week. Yeah. I, I've always really struggled with, um, you know, I think a lot of times or, you know, on our website, we reference athletes. We've talked about athletes all the time. And I, you know, I played division one volleyball. I coached division one volleyball at a different crazy part of my life. And I feel like I really understand athletes, right? Like that's just a community that I really, really understand. And I don't know if I qualify an athlete as a creator, maybe when they get to a certain point, like you look at like a Megan, um, Ropino, Ropino, I can never say her last name. Rapino, I think. Rapino, Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you creators get to like a certain or athletes get to a certain point, right? They have celebrity and then they inherently create mm-hmm. other things because of the influence they have. But by being an athlete alone, I don't know if I qualify you as a creator. Being a a celebrity athlete, then all of a sudden you have the chance to to be an influencer, which as we've discussed, we consider influencers creators, right? Yeah. So I didn't mean to derail the topic. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's what this show is for. The people don't show up for like a super focused, clear, exact, finite points. They show up for the discussion. Well, I certainly hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Good deal. um, We're getting close on time. I love this conversation. What are our closing thoughts? That we don't know what creators are anymore. We don't know what creator is exactly. We need to expand our definition or get more specific with it. I would also say that um, a takeaway perhaps for creators listening is to try live. I resisted it for a long time as a creator because it was scary. Like it's scary the first time you go live to know that, okay, whatever I'm doing right now, people are seeing it literally right now. So if I make a mistake, there's no avoiding it. There's no cutting it out. Mm. It's just there. If I blank completely and don't know what to say, everyone's going to see it and it's going to be really embarrassing. Mm. So I resisted live for a long time, but um, it truly is a way to build a closer bond with your audience. And so you should give it a try. Do you think that live streaming may, has made you a better designer? Ooh. Because one of the things that you've always struggled with, right, is getting feedback. Like, you mm. know, you, you posted mm-hmm. that Twitter that Twitter post very recently about CT, celebrating CT and celebrating a manager who has a very 
you know, a, a good design eye and, and that yep. it's been something that you've been lacking. You've said this for years, right? Is that you've, you've been um, really wanting someone to be more critical of your work so you could grow. H- have you gotten that at all from live streaming? I think I'm going to say maybe. Like it feels like it's too small to have, to say that I can attribute live streaming to improvements that I've made as a designer over the past few months. But for sure, it's been valuable. It's been a learning experience to have people watching and like share their own thoughts in the chat and give suggestions or there to just to bounce ideas off of. Like just um, the other day I streamed and I couldn't decide if the background color on our homepage should be yellow or pink. And I mocked them both up and then we had a discussion about it. And so it like, I don't know if that made me a better designer having people to help me make that decision, but it was certainly good company. And like, it was like having little coworkers just on the screen, you know? And for a remote company, I don't, that that's mm-hmm. great because yeah, you're not exactly. having like a ton of people around you being like, oh, what do you, what do you think about this? You know, people yep. that are walking by getting their coffee. And also it's my choice when I want to share my screen and show everybody what I'm working on as well. Fair. Whereas when I was in an office, it was all the time and I didn't perhaps like it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Miguel, what about you? Any closing thoughts? Um, well, just uh, to tag on a little bit to what Charlie said there, I think the live streaming would definitely help sort of round out the sort of profile or public definition of yourself. Hmm. You could just have a bunch of content out there that's super polished and it's always kind of the same in the way that you present yourself. But I feel like with something that's live, you have the option to sort of show people a little bit more of your humanity. And you can do that juxtaposed with your super curated, super, mm-hmm. you know, well done, edited down to the last second stuff. Where like, this is my video that I spent a lot of time working on. And then here's just me doing stuff live. And this is yeah. who I am. And sorry if I say things like shitting on a chair, like last week. So <laughs> Don't. I love that you brought that back up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I control it if I bring it up. So yeah, true, true. What about you, Haley? Any last takeaways, uh, if we can move on from that? <laughs> I think my takeaway is um, I'm going to just do some homework. I think I'm going to watch a few more things live. I obviously participate in this on the other end, but I don't engage in it as as a live viewer. I used to watch Barrett uh, and Nathan's version of this podcast a little bit here and there, depending on what was going on in my day. But I'd like to take that the the kind of Teddy aspect of like find find one person and commit to like watching something live if they do it on a right re- you know regularly scheduled, and kind of circle back on what my thoughts are after I, I've done that for a minute. I can give you some gamers to watch. How about that? I'll send you my favorites. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> hey, like I said, my kid asked me, "Mom, what does sus mean?" And I was like, "I don't know, Millie." I don't know what sus means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know in theory that it means suspect. But I know that that's not really what it means. Or suspicious. Or suspicious. Dang it. Yep. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> Damn it. Um, all right, friends. Thank you for joining us. Did we have anyone that we needed to call out today? I don't think so because I did not prepare in advance. So maybe Great. let's just give a general call out to join the ConvertKit community because that's where you can meet other creators. If that's something that you feel like is lacking in your life, that's a place to get connected and brainstorm together. All right, friends. Thanks for joining. We will see you next Wednesday at our regularly scheduled live streaming time. Well done. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. 
If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.